Let me ask you this question. Can you recite your marriage vows? My gosh. <laughs> uh, it's written in my heart. No, we actually opted to do the traditional marriage vows. Uh, yep. It was, I think we, we, we opted for the Anglican version. And so oh, it's, the, it's the straight up uh, uh, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, uh, mm. you know, to have and to hold. All, all that good stuff. And so no, I can't actually... My wife, however, <laughs> memorized her vows uh, on our wedding day. And so she can probably recite it by heart. Oh. I I embody the spirit of my vows. And so <laughs> I, li- I live it out in that way. Um, yeah, but can you recite your vows, Ernie? Yeah, of course I can. Oh, let's yeah, hear it. So I, Ernie Song, take you Jasmine Strong to be my oh, lovely my- weather wife. You're looking at your laptop. Yeah, I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As part of our series on family, we'll be having conversations with different guests to dig into real-life issues that we all face concerning family, marriage, and parenting. And we hope these conversations will resource and equip you to thrive in your family life. I'm Ernie. And I'm Josh. And this is the River Life Podcast. Sometimes we say these vows with earnest intent at the start of the marriage, you know, but oftentimes we don't realize, you know, how real the, the implication of these vows are, you know, in, in marriage. And of course, one of the most challenging scenarios, uh, the part of the vows that's very challenging is to have to go through marriage in sickness and in health. Well, yeah, more the sickness in, part than the health. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and this particular aspect of the vow has been very real for our uh, guests today in the studio today, uh, Gerald, as well as Abigail. And we'd like to welcome you guys to the podcast. So welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Hello. Happy no to worries. be here. <laughs> so uh, Abby is actually one of our youths that grew up in the youth ministry in our church. And today, both of them, uh, Gerald as well as Abby, they are lawyers. And Abby has especially has a love for horses. Yes. Okay, and what, what do you call it? Uh, equestrian. equestrian. Equestrian, right. Yeah, do you still ride? Um, not currently because I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And we'll hear your story about do that. Do you own later. horses? No. Oh, just like to ride horses. How do you, uh, how do you If like? I had all the money in the world, I would oh, own wow. a stable. Yeah. So, so maybe as a start, share about how you guys met. Yeah, maybe one of you. Maybe Gerald, yeah. <laughs> how do you guys meet? Uh, we met in JC. We were classmates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it love at first sight? No. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were not. We were, we went together until like five years later. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. But you, you had overlapping circles and how? No, how we did friends you... the whole time, right? Was it five years later? It doesn't feel like we five were twenty ten. We were in GSC in two thousand six. All oh, right. After army. After my army. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. About four, four, five years. You know, I have this vague memory, you know, of one day during Megalife service, and then you brought Gerald to the front of the altar there, you know, and it's like uh, and said, I, thought, "I do." No, it was a prophetic act. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. No, and and I think I was at the front there, and somehow like, okay, this is my friend Gerald. You introduce him to me, and then it's almost it almost sounds like okay, here he is, convert him. <laughs> I mean, it's very confused right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember meeting you then. No, oh, yeah. And an altar way? call. 
Uh, it wasn't during the autocar, but I think more after the service. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, oh, I, it's I a vague, vague memory. Yeah. Mm. Was so, it Easter? I cannot remember. It was so, so long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, for, for those of us who know, Ed, because you have been in the church for a while, since your, your childhood days, right? You know, um, we know that you have gone through a battle with cancer at a very young age. So maybe you can share with us a bit of your story, you know, how it all started and all that. Yeah. Oh, how it all started? Uh, I was in university, year yep. three. I had an mm. ulcer on my tongue, which I didn't care about because who cares about ulcers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going through internships and like looking for the next thing, you know, like um, trying to get an internship to get lead me to a good job, kind of corporate letter. Mm. And then it was also the year that God had told me in February that it was time to like, that was the time when he wanted me to leave ministry, which tied in mm. with what he said like two years before when he, I stepped into, into a new role and he said this for two years. Wow. So actually the two years had come up and he said, okay, time to leave. Mm. So I did that. And I think because I did that, there was time for me, like suddenly nothing to do on Saturday anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did go and get my ulcer checked out. First this was it, ministry in medical life, right? Yeah, During ministry in medical life. Yep. Yeah, so I did get my ulcer checked out sometime around July of that year. Um, so I went to like a GP and then a dentist and then a separate dentist. Like they gave me like different things to try and fix the ulcer. And eventually the last dentist sent me for a immediate oral biopsy. So at first I was quite angry for her. I was like, she said, um, let's just check it out in case it's anything sinister. And I was like, this crazy person wow. trying to scare me. But but ever since then, I've thanked her since then <laughs> for saving my life. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went for uh, a, t- a tongue biopsy and mm. it, the results came back one week later for cancer. So I was 21 then. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what did it feel like you know, at the start you know, once you got that, got that news? Uh, I think I was, got bubble wrapped me. Uh, I remember uh, one of our Megalife friends, she, she stayed over at my house and she asked me like, oh, what happens if uh, the results come back as positive for cancer? What will you do? And I was just like, oh, go, go for treatment law. Like, mm. It never really hit me, I guess. I think the clearest memory I have was that I didn't want to ask him why I wow. was going mm. through this. First of all, because I figured I wouldn't like the answer anyway. Mm. But second, also to ask scared of his answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then mm. I just decided I'll just ask him how. Like, how do you want me to use this experience? Wow. Yeah, because there's no point asking why and for what. <laughs> well, is that true as of now? Like, is that something you're still like you're okay with not? Yeah, why. I, yeah. Wow. Because I don't think any answer will satisfy me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even if he says, "Oh, you're going to be like, or bring ten thousand people to Christ or something," I'll be like, "Why? <laughs> that's not good enough." I mean, that's yeah. that's crazy. I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking of this. Uh, uh, this animated movie, there's a song that goes, you know better than I, right? I've let go the need to know why because you know better than I. But like, what what do you, like you said, how, right? You said, uh, you've asked the Lord how, I mean, what, is there anything you'd like to share concerning like the how? How do you carry yourself in through all this? Um, so, I mean, I always saying yes <laughs> to wow. these kinds of uh, uh, requests. Um I've always said yes a lot to anyone who asks for for me to share my story, mm. uh, even in non-Christian circles. Mm. Um, I always try to bring in the, yeah, I mean, it's always a bit more scary when it's a non-Christian environment and I try to sneak in a bit of like <laughs> the God expect, but also speaking to other cancer patients, mm. especially the young ones. Um, because, I mean, even for me, I've had, Gone, gone for cancer checkups for the last 10, 12 years, you rarely see people our age there. Mm. 
especially for tongue cancer, which is like a old person cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's always good to have some community. How do you, how do people respond when when you share with them? Uh, how do they respond? Very different. I guess people people say wow, but I think it doesn't is quite incomprehensible mm. generally until you've walked uh, through yeah. it or you know someone personally who's walked through yes. it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think that's kind of, I mean, thank you so much for actually being willing to share with us this because I think that's kind of the the gap we're trying to bridge as well. I think a lot of people, they hear a story like this or you hear it on uh, in a testimony on stage and then it's like, oh, wow, exactly right. Everyone goes, wow. But I feel like there's so much that, um, not just in your own journey, but also like you have your husband here, you know, and, and in the way that you guys have walked it through um, as a couple, because um, I think it's not a journey that, we anyone can go through alone, right? You've had support, and I'm assuming Gerald here was a huge support for you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he was my biggest support, even uh, with the uh, the first cancer. We were together only four months when I was diagnosed. Oh wow! Yeah, we sing "Oh Wow" a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a word, like because you yeah. don't. I mean, it's, I'm gonna say a different word now. I'll say like. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah, but I understand the gap that you're talking about because that, that's why actually in, I think 2007 or something God told me to write a book. Now I was like, write book what, right? Um, and then 2010, the first cancer, then I was like, okay. I didn't, I couldn't process my emotions. It took me like two years to articulate mm-hmm. how I felt, to untangle and articulate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then still, it was, it was a big inertia that I had to write. But anyway, I just finished it. I sent it to the publisher wow. like two oh. days ago. Oh, I said, wow, again. This is like <laughs> a different, that's Yeah, amazing. but but the the sentiment was really also to to help plug the gap la, so mm-hmm. that people understand what cancer patients go through. What is the book called? Uh, a Diary of a Serial Cancer Survivor. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> when is it when is it uh, when can we get it or when uh, can people I don't know get I just it? sent it like two days ago so they asked me a bunch of questions la, so uh, literally hot the off editor. the press this is amazing <laughs> can't wait to read it yeah okay. can't wait to read it is it available on Kindle I don't know <laughs> <laughs> literally has to be read by the editor first I'm gonna read something here uh, that I got it off your 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 journal you know uh, when That's you're writing my book. 2010 my book is my journal <laughs> And uh, this is written in November 12, 2010. And I think this was when you first uh, got diagnosed. Uh, Okay, it says here, uh, Please pray for Jero. I don't know what God has in store for us, but I know that I love Jero and he's so far away. But I hope and pray that this will only bring him closer to God. Uh, Do you hear that, Jero? Remember what (laughs) I said when uh, when you asked me to be your girlfriend? God loves you and I love you too. And God comes first. Keep pursuing Jesus, please. Oh my God, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> no, after hearing this, how did what, you even find this journal? Is it? It's online. I, I left it online. Oh, yeah, wow. she left it online. Yeah. So what goes through your mind once when you hear this after looking back? I want to cry now. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, what went through your mind when you were writing this? Yeah. I think at that time I gave him a lot of. I kept asking him that because it's only been four months, right? So I was like, you know, we're not. And he was overseas. It was not like it was going to be very difficult if we decided to end things. So I kept asking him to like, you know, go. <laughs> Ask him more than once, but he, he kept saying no and he would walk with me. And I was afraid like, of how... I mean, I, I didn't ask why, but I didn't know if he would ask God why. <laughs> and Gerald, if I remember correctly, during that time, you were overseas, right? You were studying overseas. Correct, right? Yes. So... 
what was happening with you? Like, I mean, after hearing the news about Abby's uh, cancer diagnosis, you know, um, yeah, what happened, you know, uh, in terms of like uh, the thoughts, the emotions that came, yeah. I'm generally quite a stoic guy, la, so <laughs> I wouldn't say that it was very emotional. Mm. I just thought I should come back. Mm. So I did. Okay. Yeah. So you put your studies on hold, is it? And uh, well, it was only for a couple of days. I, yeah, see, I just I see, flew back okay. uh, and then spent like four or five days with Abby before her op. Yeah, so, and then I flew back, back to the UK. Um, I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's a huge deal, right? I mean, to, to be given this kind of diagnosis. Um, and I think as someone who, you seem like someone who like thinks through things, you don't just jump into things, right? Like, was there a thought process or what were some of the things that you had to grapple with um, in terms of making a decision to journey together? I don't recall making a, 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 a like a conscious decision. It wasn't like, oh, Abby has cancer. Hmm, should I continue the journey with her or should I uh, jump ship, so to speak? Yeah. It, so it just for, happened. Yeah. How about Abby when, you know, you, you shared that, you know, you want, wanted him, uh, like not sure whether he should stay on in the relationship and all that. Do you remember what he said and all that after you shared with him all these things? Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he's very, very restful, yeah, which has helped me a lot um, mm-hmm. through the journey, especially when like the emotions threaten to overwhelm me. I just like, oh, I can throw at him. And <laughs> it's like paint just falls off the wall. <laughs> you catch it like a frisbee. Mm. Yeah, I don't even have to catch her. I just <laughs> get whacked by it and then like, oh, okay. <laughs> so this was this was 2010, right? That yeah. you so that's like t- uh my math. 12 years ago. If you could say something to yourself from 12 years ago, uh in terms of whether it's an encouragement or a challenge, something you wish you had known back then, is there something that you you would I don't think I didn't know it back then, but the first thing that came to mind was God is faithful. He's really, really been faithful uh, in every in every aspect, every step of the way. I think looking back to it's not just that he is, but he will be, right? Because yeah. I mean, twelve years ago, I'm sure there were all these questions and doubts and things in your heart. But knowing that he will be, that you know, twelve years from now, that you're married, have a kid. Which <laughs> I mean, we're jumping ahead. Sorry, I give that away. Yeah, it's okay, <laughs> people didn't know that she has a kid. You do now. <laughs> So you mentioned, I think uh, there was family and friends that came alongside you when the diagnosis first came about, right? How important was that for your, uh, yeah, or what are some of the things that they did which you find actually helped you through that season? Honestly, for the first cancer, I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. I think probably because all my friends, I mean, we were 21, right? And nobody yeah. knows Understood what to say. Yeah, yeah, and afraid of what to say. So they, I felt a little bit avoided by mm. some people or actually most people la. <laughs> but it's okay I mean it was not something that I, I got angry about because I mean I understand that if you're afraid you'll say something wrong you just don't say anything mm. um, my second experience is a bit jumping ahead so mm. but my second experience with cancer eight years down the road it was I, everyone was more mature I've, I had articulated my thoughts I have not been shy about like just sharing how, how it's been so I think um, yeah I felt like everybody rally around me to pray, not just like uh, in my current church, old church, new church, mm. <laughs> uh, friends of friends. Um, yeah. As the person going through the, the cancer, right, what do you think is important for you um, 
to receive from these people as you go through it? That what do you need from? I'm speaking on behalf of like those who want to support those who go through cancer, but they don't know how to. So maybe you can share a bit about how can the people around uh, people who suffer with cancer, you know, support them. What are the practical things that they can do? Um, just spending time with the person because mm-hmm. when you go through something as a health crisis, your life pauses while everyone else's life continues. Yeah. So it's always nice when friends just take time out of their day and just come to spend. Um, it's usually in the cancer patient's house because you can't yeah. go out. So that's that's always nice hearing their stories about what they're what they're up to out there in the world, mm-hmm. um, and that also makes the patient at least how how I felt was I felt I wasn't a burden, mm-hmm. I wasn't being left behind, mm-hmm. I was given space to to share like how I really felt without people saying. Uh, Oh, cheer up, we must be positive because that's what cancer patients consider to- toxic positivity. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, when you, when you have cancer and someone says cheer up, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. How do you respond to that? Because I I've, I hear that a lot as well. Um, uh, that phrase, like, toxic positivity, right? Um, how do you, like, w- if you could speak to people who maybe that's kind of their their go-to, right? You know, someone's going through trouble. You're like, oh, just cheer up. Everything is great. God is good, you know. Uh, I mean, those are true. Like, God is good. But how do you... I, I look in the Bible and I see uh, in in the Son of God, someone who's willing to walk with us through our suffering. I mean, he's the, he's known as a man of suffering, right? And and I, I look at pictures of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and uh, he, he wants his closest friends with him. And, you know, like, we're like, could you not tarry with me for an hour, right? And, and we think it's like, oh, pray with me. But the word tarry actually means to stay longer than intended. And I feel like there's something really powerful about sitting with someone in their suffering. Uh, sometimes not even having the right words to say or, or being that the toxic positivity, like, guru. And like, hey, cheer up, you know, kind of thing. But I don't know, like, what is there anything you could say to, to people who maybe have that? And I'd love to hear from, from Gerald as well, like how, how I think maybe like as a husband, what, what that would look like. And yeah, how do you come around someone and how did you do it as well, maybe? I suppose it's not complicated. It's just being there. Mm. Uh, the presence. Yeah, spending yeah, the presence time. there. Yeah. Yep. Mm. It's just investing your time. Um, did you have to adjust things in your life uh how did you how did you practically do that to be that far mm. yeah i suppose there were some adjustments that had to be made um i'm trying to remember what adjustments in particular i made back when abby got her first cancer i mean i flew flying back was one thing but aside from that we would that's also a bit different because it was just a surgery right and after that i was just waiting for follow-ups yeah then the second one Maybe it's easier to find examples. Yeah. Second one, we moved into Abby's parents' place. Right? Yeah. So uh that was one pretty big adjustment that we had to that we had to go through. And what was the intention behind that? Just to be with family or Yeah, yeah. To have additional caregivers, yeah, who could occupy Abby's time. Yes. Do you mind telling us a bit about the second uh, bout of cancer? I think we didn't really yeah. Or maybe uh, after you got the diagnosis, right? What what happened after that? Yeah. The first cancer? Yeah, with the first cancer, yeah. Oh, so after um, I was diagnosed, Gerald came back. We went to see a few different doctors um, to just get different opinions and decide what to do. Uh, what I remember from that those four days was, um, I think my parents and I were both quite overwhelmed by Gerald being the stoic person. 
he was like the I think the calmest of us all. And I remember that it was him who kind of chose what we should do next. Because there was a lot of different opinions. Like, well, some doctors said you should wait. Uh, or some doctors said, oh, just cut out the tumor in the tongue, don't cut the neck. But eventually, uh, we went with surgery on the tongue and the neck. Because Gerald said, you should only go through one GA <laughs> to lower the risk. And there was a risk that my face would droop for the rest of my life on the right side. And Gerald said, never mind. <laughs> I was like, okay. Then, we went for, then I went for surgery. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall this at all. I was like, he looks like, did I say that? <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke through you. Right? <laughs> exactly what she needed to hear. Yeah. Were there any implications after that? Like, uh, like because I'm sure your whole life changed after the surgery, right? So mm. what are some of the changes that happened? So physically, I couldn't move my right arm for quite a while. So I had to go mm. for physio. And I remember I had those bands, those exercise bands. So when I met him, he would exercise with me. Wow. And I remember, because the bands come in different like strengths, right? So I used to like the lightest one. And he used the two heaviest ones. And then he broke them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess that's what it is like, to just like stand with someone and do, do things together. And it just, it didn't feel like I was recovering from cancer. I just felt like we were working out together like a normal couple. He's literally bearing the burden with you. <laughs> <laughs> So that was mostly for the first one, I think, surgery. So the second one was in 2018. It was, uh, we had been married for one and a half years. Mm. Um, I, had, I had an arrow spring garden at home in our house. And you know, I want to be very healthy, right? So I was like growing my own vegetables. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I remember after harvesting my kale and I made one box of kale chips. Mm -hmm. And I just collapsed on the couch. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I don't, I don't understand why I'm so tired. And that's when Gerald was like, yeah, I don't care really. Because it, it had been about a week when I, when I felt like my heart was beating faster. My breathing was a bit different. So when that happened, then Gerald said, like, I'm going to bring it to NUHNE. So he just like, shuts up me off. And um, after the diagnosis, um, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. Mm. So it's different from tongue cancer. I don't know why he's laughing. <laughs> no, no, I'm remembering suddenly that your friend, we saw your friend, the doctor oh, that yeah. we saw was your friend, right? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, he, he incredible. <laughs> like her delivery was incredible. Like, like she called after they had done the tests. Mm, mm, mm. I think she called both of us into her room. Mm. And then uh, she started crying. Wow. <laughs> the, doc the doctor yeah. who started your crying. Friend. Of course, he's oh. a friend. Yeah. Wow. So you can imagine. Not like, you're, like, yeah, you're like, wait, what is happening? Why are you crying? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, we, we knew something us. was wrong at that point. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And you did have the diagnosis then. She just said like in the skin, the x-ray, she saw like a shadow. And she kind of gave us a possibility. And then I remember saying, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what happened to your life after that? Yeah. Uh, I had to go through chemotherapy. So that was a bit different mm. from the first one. Um, it's a long drawn process. Uh, I think during, it was like six months of chemo. And during that time, I didn't give myself space to, to think about, oh my gosh, I'm going through chemo. Oh my gosh, I have a second cancer. Um, it was just like going to the um, mentally and physically preparing myself for the next round, next round. Yeah, I think this is where um, Gerald can probably come up with examples of the practical help. Oh, I can tell you what you did. Oh. <laughs> uh, I only remember jabbing you every night with the with the medicine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a chemotherapy thing or? It's that part of the, the chemotherapy regime. Okay, yeah. I see. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, okay. Because yeah, I couldn't jack myself. I see. Yeah, I see. but he's he's very good, lah. He's he made a game out of it, irritating. <laughs> <laughs> a game out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he used my like after he injected me, then he would use my needle as a dart. <laughs> <laughs> that was a one-time thing <laughs> and this is after you guys got married right yeah okay okay I see yeah so knowing knowing the I think just bring it back a little bit right knowing all these things that's happening right um, how did you guys approach your wedding day there was the the cancer that happened earlier, right? So I think when you go into the wedding, you realize that actually there's a possibility of things like relapses, um, there's implications on health and all that, right? But yet you guys still chose to get married. Yeah. So what what went through uh, the relationship during this period? Like what were some of the thoughts um, that you decided, okay, we'll still journey together for the rest of our lives? Before we got married, I recall facing some resistance from third parties uh, on precisely that point la, that uh, there was a possibility that Abby might relapse and then the impact that that might have on our family life and on our children. Um, I think that love is a decision. So at that point, uh, I felt that I had already made the decision to love Abby uh, and it's not like uh, the fact that Abby had had cancer or the fact that Abby might relapse or might have a different sort of cancer had changed fundamentally the person that Abby was and so I didn't think that uh, these cancer related issues should really affect the decision that I had already made which was to commit to Abby wow yeah how about you, Abby? What went through your mind during this time? Well, I felt like it was the ball was in his court <laughs> <laughs> at that time because I felt like I, I mean, I felt like I was the one who was a burden. Mm. And like with the third party, just, I just felt like it was Gerald's choice whether he wanted to mm. um, marry me or not. And obviously I wanted to. La, so if he was going to ask me, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Really encouraging for me to hear because I think a lot of times uh, in in marriage, right, we talk about it being a covenant, right? And you said love is a decision, you know. And I think um, what I'm hearing from you too is that, you know, there were points in your journey where uh, it really helped for him to kind of make a decision, like what to do in response to this and stuff like that. And, and so I really see a picture of like how the Lord put you guys together, uh, like in areas that you need his leadership and in areas that you need her to kind of be who she's called to be. And I think it's just really encouraging, you know, to, to see you guys walk through this uh, in that manner. Um, and I guess as, as a couple um, going through these things and again, like, you know, it went, the first time you had uh, cancer was 21 and then 28 and like all this before you turned 30. Right. And um, I, I personally have uh, friends who uh, recently, uh, a friend of mine recently had to go through uh, brain surgery for for brain cancer, um, and and just she's twenty eight, uh, and so just knowing what it's like to journey alongside people like that, um, and not having like I guess when you're older, maybe there's uh, more opportunities for experience and stuff like that, you know. But I, I see how their experience with the Lord is sh uh, shaping and shifting. Uh, they're learning things about God that, you know, most people don't really have 
and I, I hesitate to say it this way, but I, I think when I consider it, it really is a privilege to actually get to know uh, parts of God's heart that maybe other people don't really get to. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, like how has this journey, um, what, what about God have you discovered? Um, and yeah, I know earlier you talked about like, he's faithful, you know, but are there other things that you've discovered in your journey with the Lord, both of you that, uh, that you'd like to share? I think the part of God I know the best is God the Father. Um, just resting in His arms, His presence, and knowing that I'm safe regardless. I think what He's taught me is it doesn't matter whether I'm on earth or in heaven. I think people are afraid of death because it's unknown, right? But actually, if you have a relationship with Him on earth, death is just like a doorway. You'll still, I mean, you'll have the same, exact same relationship with Him in heaven. So there's, that takes away a lot of fear. Yeah. There was Abigail as well as Gerald and they shared their story regarding how they journeyed through cancer together as a married couple. As we grow older, uh, we may encounter sicknesses and how we journey through these sicknesses or these difficulties in our marriages matters to God. So I'd like to encourage you, especially those of you who are going through a season where your spouse is going through a sickness, continue to be faithful and to commit yourself to give your best to your spouse to support him and her through their journey of sickness and continue to allow God to use your marriage to manifest His glory to the world, even in the midst of sickness. So you have been listening to the Real Life Podcast and we hope to see you at the next session. Mm-hmm.